You were talking about being more in the present moment. Yeah, it's been a like um, it's been a very interesting challenge these last few years for me, and so I've just been trying to find ways to overcome some of those challenges, and ultimately, it's listening to some of these other podcasts and stuff like that has given me an opportunity to to kind of work on some stuff to say the least. <laughs> what made you decide to work on this? Way too many challenges. I think is really what it comes down to. Like, um, In 2016, I went through something that was fairly traumatic for myself where I kind of lost a sense of identity in a sense because um, with the business and stuff like that, um, we lost our ability to produce our product. And as a result, you're kind of stuck in limbo because it's not in your control, right? And so when you're not in control, it's kind of like a traumatic event, right? And that, I mean, at least that's how I felt um, for myself personally. It's, you're kind of at a complete loss because you don't know how long it's gonna take to get back. You don't know if you're gonna have customers when you get back or if you get back, right? So you're stuck in this, in this, personal investment uh, of your business and then all of a sudden there's nothing there right and so your mind goes mental in a sense right like you're you're trying to find ways to be motivated every day and and how am I going to get through this and how long is it going to take and so you're 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 bouncing back and forth you've got customers going any word any word any word <laughs> <laughs> I have phenomenal customers. Don't get me wrong. I, they, they stuck through it all. Uh, they're the only reason I was able to bounce back from it. But that still scars you a little bit, right? And it's kind of that loss of um, identity and sort of that loss of how am I going to do this, right? There's only so much money. There's only so long you can hold out what are you going to do? Right. And so <laughs> you, you kind of, you have to find something to grasp onto. Right. And there's two ways you can go. And literally you can go in a very negative way. There's a lot of people who do go into addictions, alcohol, drugs, things like that in a negative way. Or you can try to go the other way and find ways to keep your mind positive, keep your mind focused. And, you know, it's something you're never really prepared for. I was certainly not. I mean, you knew me long before um, this happened. And I was always pumped, always excited, always, yeah, 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 rah, rah, rah. <laughs> and, and, and until <laughs> that second hits you, and it's gone, right? 
um, that was not something you can prepare for mentally or, or anything, right? You should be. I mean, part of getting into a business is being prepared for things, right? But I have a bit of an ADHD mind, right? So it's kind of, you know, when you get in, you're all in. <laughs> and there's no negatives, right? I have one focus. <laughs> I do. I really do. I, I, my wife hates it. <laughs> Without a doubt. I think a lot of people do because I can literally, like, I can hyper-focus on stuff, right? So for me, I kind of went um, hyper-focused into things like the Egyptian pyramids and all the conspiracies in behind there, right? And it, it, you go start going down this rabbit hole because you're trying to occupy your mind, but you don't want to be negative and you don't want to give up on things. So you're looking for things that that will give you some kind of hope, right? Some kind of uh, something to lift you up, bring you up, stuff like that. And that started a, uh, a nearly five-year journey um, of battling through all of this. So even when we came back um, and the, food, you know, the, the facility opened again, um, it was kind of like, okay, I'm a little excited again. But it was at such a low level. I could barely get all of the stuff because they weren't completely finished all the, the renovations, right? There were still some other things that they needed to do. So yeah, we were back on our feet again, but you're still feeling like I can't grow. I can't expand. I can't do this. I can't do that. I can't do this. I can't do that because it's, uh, you just don't have the capacity with which to do it. Right. Um, it wasn't just the room that lit up on fire, but it was the equipment as well. So, yeah, no, it was nuts, man. It was a, it was a huge fryer, and and it was a huge fire, and and yeah, it burnt all the way up and into the roof. So there was a whole lot of damage that needed to be replaced, and then there was a whole lot of um, regulations that had to be met before it, it could go back into the room. So they did have a new one, but that new one sat downstairs for nearly a year. So we were using this tiny equipment, which could barely keep up to just the orders I had for a long time, right? So again, you're struggling with this is your goal, this is what you want to do, and you want it to be successful, but there's all these limitations, there's all these things. And so you're stressed all the time, you're stressed all the time, right? Got to get the sales in, got to get the money in, got to get the sales in, got to get the money in, got, you know, like you're just going through this treadmill and it's chewing you up on the inside a lot of times because you know where you want to be, but how are you going to get there, right? And so it took a long, long time, and it's only been in the last year where I've really started to see some results and in, in the sense of normalcy in a way. Because mentally it's tough, right? You know, and there's no joking around when it comes to um, the effects it has on others as well, right? So it's not just you that's being affected because your attitude is affected and because your goals are not going the way you'd like them to go or need them to go. 
um, you put a lot of stress on yourself and that ultimately spills out onto others around you, right? And so now the challenge is compound. And how do you pull all that back? And how do you stay focused? And how do you keep moving forward when it feels like you're in a storm that just won't give up? <laughs> you know what I mean? It, it's it's crazy. Yeah, well, you kept getting beat up. And even when you came back, <laughs> the expectations weren't met. So how did you get through it? I don't know that I'm fully through it yet is the best way to put it. I think things now are 100% better than what they were. It's a constant battle between what you want to do and what you don't. You're constantly looking for things to help you stay level and to help you stay above the water. You know, keep treading, keep treading and moving forward. Um, my biggest trigger, I guess you could call it, if you want to go that way, <laughs> was something that I noticed about, about a year and a half ago where things were starting to go well, but you know the business was in a bit of a shift in a sense. Um, and again, it's that sort of, how do I fit into all this now, right? Because now we're growing and now we're, we're changing some things up and stuff like that. And it's kind of, you, you kind of start to lose your place in it all. Whereas before you were trying to, you were running everything and whether it was successful or semi-successful or whatever you want to define as success. Um, it was all on you. It was at one point, it no longer is now, which was a, was a help. But then again, you start to feel, where do I fit into all this now, right? So it's, so the biggest uh, sort of wake up call, I, said, I guess for me was um, about a year and a half ago in August when we took on a new customer and it was the biggest sale we'd ever had. Um, and I couldn't get motivated. I couldn't even get excited about it. <laughs> and that's what I really noticed, that there was an issue with it, right? It made it so you couldn't process it. I think trying to come out of all that stuff was where it was tough. And so... When the good things started to happen, you don't even notice it. Did you right. have trouble believing it? No, I believed it. I saw the order. <laughs> 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 uh, sorry about that. Uh, yeah, no, I mean, it was, it was there. It was just something I kind of had to, I had to be aware of it. And that's where all this sort of awareness and, you know, kind of being present started to come into play, right? It's like, why am I feeling this way? Why am I, why am I not excited about the biggest, you know, uh, turn of events, right? Yeah. When you something know. you've been working towards yeah. the entire time. And it's there. Got it. Now what? And you felt nothing. Nothing. <laughs> I felt, uh, <laughs> I don't even know how to explain it. There's really no words for that feeling, but I knew something was wrong. So I had to do something about it. 
And um, again, you just you start sort of digging around and seeing what you can find. And you know, I'd listen to all the you know different podcasts. I you know I went through all the ups and downs with like Peterson, Jocko, and Rogan and stuff like that, and, and listened to a lot of these things and whatnot. And um, some of them were very helpful. Some of them were helpful for a short time. You know, um, I've had an opportunity to work out with you, and so I felt like okay if I get into that 4 a.m. routine, get up at 4 a.m., have my, uh, you know, cup of coffee and head downstairs to, to work out for an hour, you know, that'll, that'll get me, <laughs> that'll get me going, right? I'll get motivated and I'll get excited and good for the day and stuff like that. But I mean, that, that rigidity of it all is hard to keep up because the minute something disturbs it, you feel like you failed and you stop and it's harder to get back into because it's, it's, um, it's something you want to do, but it's, you're maybe not doing it for the right reason. And so it's great in theory. And for some people with, um, maybe an or more organized brain that works well. But for me, it's like I can get hyper-focused on some things, but it doesn't take much to derail you, right? And then all of a sudden it becomes harder and harder and harder to get back on track and, and stuff like that. So time lapses and you, you know, it's so there's a lot of different things that have been helpful and, and whatnot. It's just really, um, it was just always really frustrating to try and find something that would work for me more specifically. So I don't have, I think a lot of times that circle of friends and support in a sense, at least not at the time, right? Uh, where I felt I could talk about that to anyone. So you're internalizing everything, right? And you're kind of fighting through it on your own and you're trying to find ways to help your brain rationalize these things. And how do you find your way out? How do you claw your way out? How do you feel good again? How do you feel happy again? What is going to help you? Um, pills aren't the answer. You know, going to a doctor and saying, hey, I'm depressed. That's, you know, that's just... Uh, uh, they have their place, been there, done that, never wanted to go back to it. Um, I hated the way I felt. I'm a, I feel like I'm more of a creative person in a sense. And I felt like when I was on that kind of stuff, there was no creativity. It was just kind of, oh, I'm get on with your day and I didn't feel good with it and getting off was horrible oh so you didn't feel you were yourself no and then getting off of it was even worse and I was on the lowest dose I was on the lowest dose and I didn't like it I didn't like it at all and then when I said I'm done with it uh even at the lowest dose there were like uh 
I don't know how to explain it. It's kind of like you're, you're, you're being electrocuted. Oh, you feel little tingles. In oh, your... tingles in the face and in your, your extremities and like fingers and stuff like that. Like, zzz, zzz, zzz. Oh yeah. No, it was horrible, man. <laughs> how long did it last for? Uh, not too terribly long, but it was definitely there. And it was like, I don't want to ever go through that again because I don't ever want to be in a place where I can't come out of it on my own. I know there's better ways and stuff like that. So, so what have you found has been the biggest help? I'm not sure I can say that here. (laughs) 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 I gotcha. What's been the second biggest help? Well, I think just doing, doing the work in a sense. So part of it is just kind of like, I can't really say I'm religious, so that's not a support system I have available to me. I never grew up that way or anything like that. So, But I do believe that things happen for a reason, and you come across things that may work. So recently I've started trying to meditate, and it's very, very hard for me. I'm getting older. <laughs> And sitting in a position where I have to be still, like cross-legged, it just, my hips, my knees from playing hockey, things like that are always sore, always stiff. So it's very hard to kind of just get there and try to quiet my brain. And I'm not horribly good at it, but I try. (laughs) (laughs) What makes it so you don't just lay down? Well, I don't... I tried that at one point in time. (laughs) Yeah, I I read some stuff and I tried the, you know, laying with your head north and feet south and this, that, and the other thing and energies and this. And, And, you know, like uh, it was okay, but I just often felt like I was going to fall asleep. So it wasn't anything that I was, I, I just didn't know what to focus on. I guess. But the biggest help has just been trying to find a way to quiet my brain. Quiet all the noise. And the one thing that is very hard is the more you try to quiet your brain, the more chatter you get. Yeah. Right? And all of a sudden it's that thought and that thought and that thought. And so what I've been learning to do and and with... Uh, some success for me has just been kind of not forcing things anymore. Just kind of, here it is. We'll take each thing as it comes up. We'll deal with it as it comes up, but we're not going to, you know, um, try to force a certain direction. What did you use to force? Um... Well, I think you're you're trying to force your mind to be quiet, and that's an impossibility, right? Um, your mind will always speak. Uh, depending on who you ask, they may say that's God, right? Or maybe you may say it's you know the universe, or they may say it's the you know archetypical energies, right? So there's all kinds of these different things that are out there, right? Um, 
but either way, like your mind will never be specifically silent because you aren't perfect. You can never truly be perfect in a sense. You're always going to have those things to work on, right? And improve. And that's what seems to be coming up in a lot of the meditation is that, oh, yeah, I forgot about that. (laughs) (laughs) That's coming up now. (laughs) That's coming up now. And that's coming up now, right? But you can still kind of get there and be quiet. And I find that part of it to be very helpful. Because you can take that now and translate it to other things like work and family and stuff like that. Because life is hectic. You still have to live here. Um, I'm not living in a cave <laughs> in, the, in the Himalayas. I'm here in this society, in Western culture. And, you know, so there are expectations. There are things you need to do. Um, but if I can find a way to kind of just quiet all the extra noise, then I have found that it's a lot more successful that way. So things that would normally bother me or kind of drive me crazy in a sense or irritate or whatever the case may be, it's easier to kind of let go of that and just just be like in that second, right? So you can do that now. For the most part, I'm not anywhere perfect by any means. I'm just learning, right? But um, I'll give you an example. Um, we just finished a production run and where I stand in my production run, I'm feeding the flour and meat. So I can see everything that's going on around me. So I can see it going through the tumbler. I can see it going through the fryer. I can see it coming out. Um, the color on the other end gives me a sense of temperature, stuff like that. So. Am I feeding it too slow, too fast, whatever the case may be. So we'll buy like 5,000 kgs of meat. So that's all going to be diced, marinated, and put into tubs and then through through the process, right? So it has always been stressful for me <laughs> to kind of sit there and kind of gauge, am I going too slow, am I going too fast, you know, you want to keep your color consistent all the way through, so your your mind's going like a mile a minute, right, and then you're also, uh, you don't want to slow down too much because then you're not going to be able to get through all your stuff and you'll have leftover stuff that you got to send over to storage, right, and pay for and stuff like that, so the goal is always to try and be finished that, right, and, and whatnot at the end. And so, oh wait, so what's the constraint then that would stop you from being able to finish? Oh, it could be anything. Uh, temperature drops too fast. You got to slow down for a bit um, uh, because you don't want product coming out raw, right? So you want to make sure you get that nice golden coat on it type of thing um, before it goes through the sauce and whatnot. Um, you know, we've had uh, this run, we had um, our dicing machine broke down. Um, second last day. 
<laughs> of the week, right? And so it's kind of like, okay, just he brought in an extra person and uh, they were cutting it by hand. The last little bit. Uh, I don't have almost a half a pallet of meat. That's an awful lot for two guys to cut, right? By hand. Well, considering a machine and is try to keep up. Considering a machine is supposed to do this. Yeah. Yeah, it's probably yeah, a lot. So we, 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 lo we lost the machine for a better part of a half of this day, half of that day, right? You know, before they were able to bring it back in. And so in previous runs, there's always that panic, especially as you get towards the last day, right? Because you got to consider you're in there for four days. So I'm cooking for four days, which means if I want to get to the finish line here, I have to be consistent from day one all the way. So you see, it's not just one day, right? You're, you're not talking about one day. Like we're going through nearly 1600 kgs a day by hand feeding this machine, right? Um, so I had to learn to kind of let go of everything else and trust that everyone else has got their job and just focus and be right here right now despite whatever else is going on despite whatever little things are coming up for me you know I've got somebody else there that can can deal with some of the other bs right and I need to trust that that'll be okay right he's got to give away some of that control uh, of the moment to just be where you are. And that's what I learned. And that's where I really became an epiphany for me that, you know, it's this here and now this, nothing else really matters right now. I was locked in and I was focused for four days straight. Uh, just in, in that present moment, in that every, present every moment, second, every second you're doing. Yep. Yeah, yeah, no, absolutely. I had a little mantra going through my head and it, fit perfectly with the timing of when each one had to go through each little batch had to go through um and i just that's all i focused on so nothing else just let out everything else didn't matter so contrast that how was it before oh stressed all the time right because, you know, we're trying to reclaim as much flour as we can. We put it through a sifter and we try to reuse it. So you're kind of watching everything. Uh, you know, you're running back and forth and uh, you've got to put oil in. You've got you to feed a little faster or a little bit slower. And it's kind of up and down, up and down, up and down all day long, right? You go too fast and then you got to stop for a second and kind of let the, the heat catch back up. So, I mean, it's kind of, you got to hit that, that, you have to that hit that zone, zone that in that spot. sweet spot. And that's where I found on this last run. And it was kind of, like I said, like a bit of an epiphany, right? It's like, ah, oh, there it is. <laughs> <laughs> so, and and all, so all you had to do was calm yourself and, and be in that moment. And it, it changed. Yeah. yeah no, I, I, I literally like it's, it, it was just a matter of nothing else really matters. I'm just going to be here. I got to trust and have confidence that it's going to happen. And sure as you know what, um, we, we actually broke records, 
Yeah, no, it's we we had everything gone. It went right to the last minute. Don't get me wrong. The last scoop went into the last minute at three thirty on Thursday afternoon. But I mean, it's um, like even even my partner kind of looked at me. He's like, eh, "Do we do another one? Or you got enough time? You got Tom Lister? I said, "Yep, yeah, we're all good. Just bring it on." <laughs> and yeah, we managed to get through it, and that's kind of that that moment where you kind of realize that where else can I apply this? Right. Cause this was amazing for me. I just had to, to trust that it was going to happen and I had to stay focused on my part, not everyone else's part. Right. Where I sit in, in the production of it all, I'm kind of like everything relies on me and my speed to get to where we need to be at the finish line. But if I'm worrying about this or I'm worrying about that or I'm something's coming up or not going right or whatever the case may be, if that pulls my focus somewhere else, then all of a sudden I've missed two or three scoops or I've missed, you know, a little bit of this or that, right? And so, and the stamina too, right? Because in previous runs, physically, it's a lot of work to stand. That table is not close enough to the the tumbler that you, you're kind of bent forward a little bit, which puts a lot of pressure on your back. And you're doing this all day. So like I have, have right. like almost like carpal tunnel in oh. this one spot here. But by being there, being focused, I was able to cut through all that and just keep doing. Keep so you are the most doing. consistent you've ever been. Oh, 100%. 100%. Just by being in that moment. Yep. What would you normally worry about? Oh, God. It could be anything. How soon can I go for a smoke? God, I'm tired. <laughs> <laughs> oh, just everything's hitting you. Yeah, oh, I it's hope like, this doesn't oh, I'm break hungry down. at home. Or my energy level's down, whatever. You know what I mean? Like there could be a million things going through your brain, right? But by by locking into this this little mantra and repeating it over and over, and I must have said it 10,000 times, you know, uh, uh, not for any other reason that, it, it matched the timing I needed to have and it was 100% perfect and I had more energy at the end of the day than I did at the beginning. It's phenomenal. So you hit it. I hit it. The sweet spot. But now it's, you got to find it somewhere else as well, right? Like you, where else do I apply this now? Because it, now this kind of comes into, uh, makes sense. Oh, because now you know how it feels because you never felt it before. Right. Right, because I was always, always bringing chattering, chattering, chattering. You know, someone's making a snide comment or this or that, or you know. <laughs> it's just to try to be like just present in what you're doing, focused on what you're doing, and just not allow anything else to kind of get there. So you're able to accept things and let it go. Right. So. About three and a half, four years ago, I started playing hockey again. And such a learning curve from when I used to play. So I quit hockey when I was about 18 because of the politics and all that other stuff. 
and I finished at a fairly decent level, uh, tier one or whatever the case may be, but that was back in the 90s when the pads were 50 pounds and <laughs> all leather, and there was no such thing as a hybrid butterfly style. So when I came back, I had a friend bug me and bug me and bug me. You got to come play. You got to come play. I said, well, I don't have any equipment. And so I started looking online and I found a whole set of equipment for 500 bucks. Bag, everything. Skates, you name it. Pads. I said, well, okay, well, if there's going to be a chance, then this is the moment. So I went and I blew the 500 bucks and <laughs> went and got the stuff. Picked up a few extra little things. And then... I came out for the first time. I was so exhausted. And then the game started. Oh, fuck. <laughs> oh my god. <laughs> Holy shit. So you delivered that so well. Oh my god. Literally <laughs> like you just forget all the muscles you used to use when you played hockey, right? And the pads are different and everything is different. And it's kind of like, oh my God, what have I done? <laughs> <laughs> I made a huge mistake. <laughs> I felt like I did. <laughs> but I toughed it out. I could barely breathe <clears throat> for the majority of the game. But I toughed it out. And now, you know, it's, it's, I went online and I, I, I had to really relearn the position literally relearning because it was so different right so guys my age who are like i'll be 54 next week um there was no butterfly style the only one who did butterfly was trechiak so what's butterfly it's when you're you kind of drop to your knees and, and your legs go out oh is this for goalie yeah oh you were playing goalie yeah yeah 100 percent. this makes more sense yeah and so the way the equipment is designed now is it's designed for, it's called a hybrid style. So it's literally designed for you to go into a butterfly and then you push, push, right? Uh, side to side. So butterfly is a position that you get. Right. So when, to. when, if you look at it, like if you look at a, watch an NHL game, first thing they're doing is going into what's called a butterfly. So they drop down, gloves to the side, legs out. So almost a splits. Almost, kind of from the knees out. Okay, but... So, so you're dropping onto your knees and your legs go wide. Okay. So, so you cover with, as much of the, the lower part of the so net So splits, but with knees bent. Right. Okay. Yeah. The splits come afterwards if they try to go around you. <laughs> Okay. <laughs> <laughs> then you're you're trying to hyperextend your leg to make sure that you can get there or whatever the case may be, right? So it's kind of yeah. So it's that same thing, right? But when I first started playing the position, it's like I had to learn, I had to learn, I had to learn, and I had to try and get better. And I was getting pommel, literally like 15 goals or 16 goals a game against me and stuff like that. And I had to like learn. So I played as much as I could because every game is practice, right? It, every game, even today, it's still a practice. Mentally, it's more it's more mental now than it is was then, 
the physical part is not as much of an issue. But back then it was kind of like, how do I do post to post? Like these guys are going post to post. I don't know how to do that. I had to learn that. So what's post to post? It's kind of when you go, so let's say they're below the goal line. Okay. Or coming around the net. Your leg has to be in sort of like a V shape and you have to be pressed up against the, the post. Of the net? Of the net. Okay. Now, if they go around the net, you slide to the next post. And be in that same position you were on. Same the position, other. but on the other side, right? Or if it's a cross crease pass, it's the same thing. You're going post to post. It's a slide, right? And I had to learn all of that. And so in my era, goalies didn't generally have sharp skates. They were dull because you're flopping around all over the place, right? You're kind of dropping to your knees and then doing the, you know, double leg stack or reaching across the net or whatever the case. So dull skates were kind of the thing. Um, when I bought my newest set of skates, I decided to try this, this sharper aspect, right? So I went about halfway just to kind of get the feel for it. And wow, it was like a night and day difference. But the new skates compared to the older ones I had, I could literally stand up and shuffle on them nicely across back and forth with the puck. But as soon as you get into your set position, the blades bite and you're, you're set. So now I can either push this way or this way. So now I've gone to the next level up, which is one below what maybe the pros is, like a 7 16th or something like that. And I've tried that now. And again, it's one of those things that you get such a nice push. You get a lot of bite in the ice. Right. From the it's shark. like an inside edge, right, for okay. goalies. So when you're, when you're down in that butterfly position, you kind of lift your knee a little. Yep. And you bite that blade, and then you push. Oh, and you can go side to side. Side to side, nice and easy. And there's no... Your, your, your leg doesn't kick out on you. Like my old oh. like old school, right? They would uh, they would have kicked out on you, and you just kind of stay stationary, and you're out of position. Oh, because they just slid on the ice. Right, like right. Gotcha. So the it took a while to kind of get used to, but it, you know, I kind of got used to it now. So now, in present day... It's more about the mental game, right? So I have to trust that I'm in position now. So I've watched a whole bunch of these videos from like professional goalie trainers and stuff like that. And each game I would kind of work on a little piece of that, right? Still not 100%. Things get by me, but... <laughs> <laughs> They're a little harder now. <laughs> yeah. But ultimately, it comes down to um, not getting down on yourself, right? Because that was an issue for me. I'm very competitive when it comes to that kind of stuff, right? And so I had to get out of that mindset and out of that kind of stuff to kind of say, you know, like, like reset. Done. And it drives me absolutely nuts because the guys I play with are awesome. They're not the greatest, but they're awesome, right? And we all, you know, we're older, right? This is beer league. There's no scouts in the stands, right? <laughs> Although some play that way. <laughs> it's like, oh, my God, I'm going to make the NHL. No, you're not. No, you're not. 
that's why we're here. <laughs> and so, so they're always apologizing, right? And it's like, stop. Like, I don't want to hear it. I don't, I don't want to apologize. It's not necessarily because you made a mistake. I mean, some of the guys we play with or, or against are fairly good, right? So they can get around and they can do their thing and they can dipsy doodle. And it's kind of irrelevant. Like, you know, at the end of the day, the puck stops here, I hope. Right. (laughs) (laughs) And if it doesn't, then I need to let that go and I need to be okay with it. And, and, you know, like, you know, bruised egos or anything is just, you know, reset. So when you say this, the puck stops here, you mean it stops on the ice and you get off the ice and you go home? No, no, just in the moment. In that moment. Even oh. in the moment, right? Because, you know, it's easy to get down on yourself or, you know, get upset and, and stuff like that. Like, just cut that emotion part out of it and just play. Just be here. You're having fun, regardless of whether somebody scores on you or not, is irrelevant, right? even if you thought you should have had it or whatever, right? It's a game of inches at all times, right? And just see where the mistake was and remember, that's it. And move on, get to the next shot. So you try to break the game down into each shot rather than I want to win or I want my shutout or this or that, right? The likelihood of you getting a shutout in in beer league hockey is is pretty rare right because your defense are just not that phenomenal (laughs) 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 it it's you know so you're gonna get a lot of shots i think on average i probably take about 30 or 40 shots a game sometimes more you're not going to stop everything right it all just depends and sometimes you misjudge right and that's the other thing too, right? A lot of times you're trying to control the situation. You're trying to predict where they're going to shoot. And that's the one thing about being a goalie in a sense, right? It's uh, you're kind of trying to get into their brain and figure out, are they going to go, are they going to shoot high? Are they going to shoot low? Are they going to shoot to your blocker side? Are they, you know, how good is this guy? Is he, can he hit the post and get in? Like, how far do I need to slide? Like, there's a million things that go through in a snap second, right? So the only thing you can really do is align your chest to the puck and wait for the shot. There's nothing else you can do. And that's what you're doing now. That's what I'm doing now. What, and 90% what? of the time, I will get some or all of it. Just with that one thing? Yep. Well, and it, it's so easy. Like, it's... um. A lot of times you'd be aligned to the player, which gives about a, a foot variation. So my focus has become just align your chest to the puck and trust the process. And then you react in that split second. You don't think about anything. You're not trying to figure out where he's going to shoot. You're just going to react and not trying to figure out where I need to put my hands or or feet or whatever, right? Like, I'm not thinking about it anymore. Shut off the chatter and just play the position. Just be there right now. Yeah. And so it, it's helped a lot. Like, it's it, it makes the game a lot more fun. Um, so it's this whole thing is kind of like, you know, finding different places now to put us all into. So when you're present... With each shot, so you you considered it. Each shot is an individual event, right? As opposed to before, it was oh man, this is the game. This is the game. This is the right. game. Because if you're thinking about the whole game, 
and the you have an expectation of where you want it to be and so in that expectation there's a chance that things will go right or they're going to go wrong if you're locked into the expectation and things don't go your way you get scored on now you're disappointed and you're going to carry that to the next shot and the next shot and then all of a sudden it's out of your control right like it's snowballing the wrong way <laughs> yeah, yeah but that's the same thing in every area of life right so when you have an expectation now you set an attachment uh, ultimately you have no control over the result you think you do you try to but at the end of the day you really have no idea what's going to happen from this second to this second that could go your way or the other way so if you're attached not to the goal but the result and it doesn't go your way your mood is going to swing this way south negative if it goes your way you're going to swing really high this way so it's that whole idea of the pendulum right so ideally if you detach yourself from the result you can still have the goal but if you detach yourself from the result of the goal then no matter what happens your mood doesn't go this way or this way you kind of stay balanced and in the middle you're living this quote where it's that's what i'm trying to do yeah, yeah. there's still some work don't get me wrong well, yeah <laughs> but where it's it's made sense to me and it's it's i'm trying to stay in the middle i'm trying yeah. to stay balanced right so this whole idea of attachment and detachment and stuff like that, it's not that I don't have goals. I do, but I have to trust the process and not the results. So when I'm talking to a customer and they don't buy today, I'm not upset. It's just what it is, right? Um, because if I get upset with a customer because they're not buying something today, are they ever going to buy from me again? No. No. Oh. Right. It's ridiculous. So try, you know, like there was a lot of times that, and I don't know why I ever had it to begin with anxiety to call customers. Don't know why I've been dealing with the same customers for 10 years. They've been awesome, but it was always that build up Monday morning where it's like, okay, got to get some sales in, right? Got to do this. Got to do that. And it's like, it's almost like an anxiety, right? And so it's kind of like, uh, and you just force yourself to get in there and do it. Whereas now I don't really feel that anymore. I just, all right, here, here we go. Since when? Since recently, uh, like probably in the last six months to a year, it's been getting better. So then when you're, when you used to make a call, what were the emotions going through your, your head? Initially? Yeah, when you're about to call a customer. Because these you said these people have been with you for 10 years. Yeah. It just, uh, it's, it's an irrational fear, right? It's just, you know, like your, your own brain kind of working against you a little bit, right? So it was a little challenging. You, you step back every once in a while and you go, why? Why are you feeling this way? It makes no sense, man. You 
you sit and you laugh and you talk with these customers every week. Why do you feel this way? It makes no sense. And that's, like I said, it's, it's, I don't know whether you want to call it mindfulness or spiritualness or whatever. I mean, you do what you need to do to find your place, right? And to find, uh, some people call it flow or whatever, right? So get rid of some of the expectations, get rid of the other things that create all that. You have to get rid of the friction. From all that expectation. Right. Like the pressure, if you take the pressure off, right? Uh, I think it's, it's been said more than once, but, uh, things will come to you when you're not trying to make it happen. When you're trying to force things, your mind just, for some reason, gets locked into the end goal and not the process. You forget about the process and you're just focused on the goal, goal, goal. And so you never get to the goal because you're frustrating the hell out of yourself all the time. You know what I mean? It's yeah, uh, every little thing is like, thing. and, and, and there, there, there is something out there that, uh, the more you want to push a certain way, uh, the more the universe or whatever is going to push back and test your butt. Right. Uh, <laughs> it's true. Right. You know, it's like, okay, I'm going to sit down and I'm going to meditate. Oh my God. I'm in so much pain. It's hard to sit here find a different way to sit (laughs) but you can still do it right so it's 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 finding do what you can you do what you can uh but still do it right there's something to be said about it um there's a reason that millions of people do it so it's it's just trying not to fight back on every little thing trying not to create drama where there doesn't need to be drama right so if you let go of some of those attachments and you let go of some of that um, expectations per se, then when something does come up, you're better mentally prepared to handle it because you can kind of go, oh, I see that. Okay, let's deal with that right now. Because, I mean, a lot of what comes in, in, in those bad situations and compounds it is that negative voice in your head, right? And it's going, oh, yeah, I see you. <laughs> oh, you want to do better, eh? Boom. <laughs> Here, how about this? Remember the last time you tried this? <laughs> so you have these, you had these doubts in your mind. Oh, all the time. Absolutely. For me, what's worked is trying to find that middle piece. So when the situation arises, so for a lot of people, COVID was a negative thing. For me... It was irrelevant because I had already been through that negative thing. So when COVID hit, it was like, oh boy, what does this mean? (laughs) (laughs) Here we go again. Not my first rodeo. Right. So, you know, it was kind of like, it wasn't devastating to me. It didn't make a difference. And at the end of the day, we actually did better during COVID than we did um, because nobody was out. There was no events. So people were at home all year round, right? Couldn't have family over, you couldn't do this. So what are you doing? You're just buying food, freezer food, stuff like that. Keep morale up with food. Right. So, you know, that's kind of like we, where we would typically have our ebbs and flows, we had zero all year long. 
It was you, steady all year long. Like normally, constant. Yeah, like yeah. normally, August hits here in Saskatoon, and it's whoosh, we 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 hit bottom, right? And it's because you've got the X, and you've got all these outdoor events, and you got uh, Taste of Saskatchewan, you got all these outside events week after week after week after week. Nobody's home. Sports, everything's wrapping up. People want to get away for that last two weeks or whatever of the summer. So August dies for us, and then it picks up again in September. As soon as school's back in, people get back to their normal life, right? Everyone's got their 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 outside fixed finished, right? So we never had any of that through throughout COVID. Oh, you didn't have that that lull in August and that, no. that pump in September? No. So we now- did this year. Oh, it, it yeah. dropped back down because all the events came back, right? So again, people are outside and people are, you know, camping and doing all kinds of things because there's no restrictions or anything like that. So, but to me, like I didn't have that um, level of anxiety anymore because I'd already been through it once. So I kind of seen it coming. And then when COVID hit and they wanted to start doing the you know the isolation thing two-week isolation i'm like okay well what does that mean are the stores still going to be open can we still deliver to the stores yes you just got to follow the rules got to make sure you're back this that and the other thing but that's what i mean like that's part of what i'm talking about when you can still be positive and stuff like that but it's it's where you set those attachments or expectations right not just on yourself, but on others, right? Because negatives are always going to come. And a positive mental attitude certainly helps you get there. But if you try to force it, then this swing backwards on the pendulum can be a little bit harder. Oh, yeah, it makes sense. Yeah. Like I was conditioned, like I said, from the time I was 17, it's all positive mental attitude. I've had, you know, doing, knocking on doors, selling vacuums, doing all kinds. Oh, yeah, no, seriously, man, you get, you know, sworn at, chased down the street. Like it's, keep your positive attitude. It's like, oh, my God, seriously? (laughs) How am I supposed to do that? (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. You know, and you're young and stuff like that. So, again, it's sometimes it's perspective what you're paying attention to, right? Because how you see something and how I see something may be looking at the same thing, but interpreting it totally different. Like Ema Gilchrist talks a lot about what you pay attention to matters and how you pay attention to it matters. So depending on what the situation is, if all these things are happening, but you're only focused or paying attention to the little things, then those little things are magnified and they become bigger things because that's where you're paying attention to it, right? And that kind of stemmed into some of this other stuff, right? So same idea, right? Uh, Listening to how your brain works and why your brain works is kind of like listening to your body, right? paying attention to your body and and your mind and everything, sort of putting those two together. And then you kind of come into this little box where you, you can actually see some of those results working for you because you're applying them in a different way. It's most of the stuff we've heard all our lives, right? But we don't pay any attention to it. It's simple. It's until not something hits you, <laughs> until something hits you to make you pay attention. So what do you pay attention to now? 
right now I'm just trying to pay attention to being here. Like, you know, living, like being, you know, in the experience of things. Recognizing that I need to stop trying so hard to fit into these little boxes and just be here and whatever happens, happens. When it comes up, it'll come up. There's no point in, like I said, creating that drama for no reason, right? So if you don't have to create the drama or you're not, you know, hyper-focused on this side, this side ain't going to come out so much. The harder you try to do something this way is when they're going to test your resolve, right? And all of a sudden there will be a, some negatives come out, right? Oh, oh, my car broke down on my way to work. Uh-oh. <laughs> or, oh, um, my machine broke down on me in the middle of work. <laughs> so, you know, it's like, I feel like there's always that there. And there always will be, but how you look at it or how you handle it or how you allow it to affect you is kind of up to you in a sense. And by letting go of all those attachments and then letting go of all those expectations, you can just take it sort of one step at a time and just kind of be there, right? And it's a lot easier to deal with something when you're, not starting off from a point of disappointment or uh, anger or you're upset or, you know, you, then you, you react in a negative way, right? Yeah, you're starting on stable ground. Yeah. yeah, a little more balanced. Yeah, that was pretty cool with your production schedule and then how the months of the year fluctuate. So mm. what do you normally notice now? Um, now that things are back to normal, you're, you're still seeing the ebbs and flows. But uh, we've gone from probably about 20 stores to, I'd say, closer to about three, 400 stores in three provinces. So we have uh, stores carrying our product in uh, Manitoba, Saskatchewan, Alberta, and Northwest Ontario, and up now up, I believe, into... I, I don't even know where they all are anymore. Um, other than, you know, because they're through like distributorships too, right? So, so yeah, we, 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 in a, in a year and a half, we went from about 20 stores or so um, to about 300 or so, three, 400. What are the challenges now going from 20 to 300? Um, keeping myself busy. There's, there's a, uh, for one of our customers, we're like a local vendor, so we do direct shipped, right? So we talk to the customer, we ship it to them, and they're here locally in, in, the, in the province. All the rest is through distribution, so I just basically get a PO, an order, and uh, we just ship it off to their warehouse, and they deliver to their stores. So it's, you know, again, it's that uh, shift in mindset and... What do I do with myself? <laughs> well, what do you mean? What do you do with yourself? Well, to stay busy. Well, you have 300 stores. But I don't physically visit them. But be, oh, so before those 20 stores, you'd visit the 20 stores. Right. Exactly. But now, because we're through warehouse programs in those stores, 
Um, we literally, I get an email with a PO. I call our warehouse and I say, ship this on this day. They ship it and I send an invoice. So you're not manufacturing anymore? Oh yeah, no, we still manufacture. No, but you're not. Yeah. You are. Oh yeah. So you'll manufacture all the product that you need? No, no, we have lots in storage. So we, we go in several times a year and we we will do a week's long production and we'll do like a thousand boxes in a week. Okay, and then you keep that there for when that order comes mm-hmm. in and then you'll send it to them. Right. Yeah, it goes into storage and then oh. it gets shipped. Oh, so what's this warehouse program you're talking about? Well, it's just essentially it's like with that set of stores, they have their own warehouses, their own trucks, their trucks deliver to their stores. And so uh, we're set up, it's called like an EDI system or something like that, uh, which is an approved sort of middleman for invoicing and, and orders. What's ED, EDI? Yeah, it's just called an EDI system. Most, most grocery stores uh, carry it. Uh, like the larger chains and stuff like that. So when you get past that local level, it's you go through a system like that in a warehouse program. So your contact now is no longer with each individual store the same way as it was with you know the local program, where you had to visit, get the order, go grab and and, and deliver everything and drop the invoice off. Now the order just comes in through the CDI system and the date they want it shipped and you just set up the shipping and send it to them. Oh, so you don't even deliver it to the warehouse. No. You just no, send they, it. No, these guys are buying pallets at a time now. So it's, yeah, no, it's going by by 48-foot trucks, right? So Oh, so it's on those big trucks. Yeah. And they send it there. Yeah, to their, to, to their own Winnipeg or Edmonton or wherever they, the, yeah, to their own warehouse, and then they handle the distributing it to their own stores. Yes. What surprised you about that process? Nothing. Like we were kind of going like that's kind of what the goal was to get to, anyways. Right, was to that kind of situation. So, um, I guess what surprises me the most is, what do you do with the rest of the time in between? to keep yourself motivated. You know, you know what I mean? Like, yeah. Cause before you it's had like all you, these hours allotted yeah. to do this work and these deliveries and now mm-hmm. yeah, it's out the door. Well, and yeah. Just, free, yeah. A lot, free time a lot more head. free time in, in that sense. Like, you know, it's, it increases our production schedule, which is good. So that gives me some stuff to do. Right. Um, you know, we still do store visits, so that's, you know, like not, but again, it's it's a minimal amount of time compared to what it used to be, in a sense, right? So, we have all that growth without all the extra work, in a sense. Yeah, because all you have to do is do that production run, and mm-hmm. then slap a label on it, or store it, mm-hmm. and send it off. Yep. So, how a production run, put- how long is a production run, usually? Five days. And you have to get it done in that five days. Oh, yeah. How many do you have to do? We just did two last month. Okay. So, but now we won't do another one until probably August. Unless something 
extremely busy happens. So a production run will last you three months. Well, it depends. Like I said, there's some ebbs and flows, right? So let's say from September till um, after the Super Bowl, uh, you know, totally different situation. But when you get into the summer months and it slows down a little bit, um, you know, it's it's not just us slowing down. It's that type of product where you're, you're cooking in your oven will tend to slow down, right? And people will get excited about barbecuing and being outside and hot dogs and hamburgers will come out and you know i've done it myself i get i get pumped <laughs> yeah <laughs> so you know it just changes the dynamics now and so you have to reshift your mind into how how you kind of get motivated by you know like you're not seeing it's so much different than talking to the customer face to face that connection part of it is kind of missing in a sense so you yeah you're kind of not really attached because <laughs> you don't really see it right like i just know i open up my email every week and there it is there's an order there's an order there's an order oh yeah let's sounds like you kind of miss it I do in a sense because it's like you still have to fill your time, right? Like you have to be and feel productive. I need to be productive. I need to be doing something. I need to be busy. You need something small, incremental daily. Right. You need some of those things to keep your, your mind like focused in the right direction, right? And so, and to be busy because, you know, Stagnant time is stagnant time. It's it, it'll pull you into a negative or uh, a useless place in no time if you let it. So if you stay busy and you stay active and you stay, you know, kind of moving forward, growing of some sort, right? And this is where you know, for me, a lot of this is kind of it kind of fits with now because there's a little bit of that time to kind of quiet the doubters in my brain you have more time to work on yourself yeah yeah grow how did you know that this product would work when you I first didn't. started no it was a complete accident i just we were doing it at home we took it to um a potluck party people liked it they asked if i would consider making orders uh, they joked around about, oh, this could be the next KFC. And it's like, oh, yeah, whatever. <laughs> and, yeah, it just kind of, I thought about it for a little bit, and I'm like, well, okay, let's try this. Let's make a few flavors. Uh, where I was working, I was involved with dealing with some restaurants and grocery stores and stuff like that so I started talking to them and they said well bring me some samples bring me some samples and then next thing I knew I was I had three fryers in my kitchen little tabletop ones and I was making about a hundred kg a week for orders while still doing my other job and so became a little overwhelming and then some of the stores were starting to say you know what we'd like to put this in our stores out here would you get approved properly so that we can do that 
And so I started looking into that and then that became a thing. And it's like, so yeah, a huge learning curve considering I was never really in the industry and never spent any time in the industry or anything like that. I had to learn everything was brand new for me. Once we got approved and we had some stores set up and stuff like that, I thought, okay, that worked well. What about Saskatoon? And so I got onto the farmer's market and we started doing the farmer's market here. And I don't think it was even three months before Sobeys asked us if we wanted to be in the stores. And then that was a new learning curve. (laughs) (laughs) So I was just getting pummeled with all these new learning curves, right? So would you have to learn the moment Sobeys contacted you? Where am I going to get the money? Well, because like, you know, when you're working at the farmer's market, right, it's cash and carry, right? People are paying you and the product's going out, so you're getting the money. When you go into stores, they usually have a 30-day, 90-day, 60-day way of paying, right? So now you take and you multiply that by 10 10 or 15 stores. I'm like, where am I going to get $23,000 to make my product if I don't get paid right away? So you have to put that up front cost and they pay you later. Yeah. So they don't buy your product. They do, but they don't buy it up front. So they'll order X amount of cases. You give them an invoice. They haven't agreed upon. The process has changed slightly. Where it used to be 30 days, now it's 15 days for local. So they, they have sped up the process. But when I first started, the local program wasn't really in existence yet. It wasn't, it wasn't sort of indirectly. So there was no one to call when you weren't getting paid. So, you know, you're trying to navigate this world that is completely foreign to you in some sense, right? Because you're just this little tiny ant out there working and they're in another part of the country. Who are you, right? So... Yeah, there was some growing pains with it. And then eventually that got sorted out and everything's been flawless since. So what happens if they don't sell the product by the best before date? They throw it out, but it's never really happened. We're generally... But you still get paid. Oh, yeah. If they want to put a claim in, they can, but it's not very often that that as ever, I think... I think there was only one time and it wasn't the store's fault. It was the employee's fault because they weren't rotating the stock. And so, you know, we just gave them a free case. Oh, so they'll put a claim in and then you can decide what you want to do with it. Yeah. So that was the biggest hiccup was getting the upfront capital to mm-hmm. get the product in the stores to begin with. Yes. And to carry through, because don't forget, like they're ordering every week or every other week. So they're taking, taking, taking before you actually start seeing. And then you got to try to match that up with and predict when do I need to get back into the, the facility to, to make more. And so you're trying to match all these things up. Oh, yeah, it was a nightmare at, for, for me, not for anything else. It was a nightmare for me to try to take all this on myself and try to create this as a business, right? Uh, So, yeah, there was like learning curves, um, punches in the face, uh, it feels like, uh, you know, like there's just all kinds of things, right? And it's, 
even when things look like they're going well here, there maybe you're fighting for something over here. And so, yeah, it took some time, but I don't really feel any of that now. Like most of our customers are, are paying within, you know, 10 to 15 days. And then once you get in the warehouse program, they're pretty strict about paying you on time. Oh, yeah. Yeah, no, it's, uh, it's actually been awesome. It's like there's really not much to do you know, other than just fulfill the orders and make sure the product's there and stuff like that. So you worked on this for how many years? Nearly a decade. So almost 10 years, and now it's... 2013 is when I incorporated. Okay. And now but again, it's, you know, you put all this time and money into like this, this idea, and you still don't really have a clue of what you're doing. <laughs> <laughs> but you're but you're still doing it. Yeah. Well, I had to get a trademark for the logo. I had to, I don't know nothing about trademarking. So you go to a lawyer and of course I chose a more expensive one than I should have. Uh, but, uh, you know, at the time, what do I know? Like, there's only a few that I know that, that do that type of stuff. So, oh, so uh, that was an unexpected thing. The trade, yeah, trademark you have logo. to set up, you set up as a corporation and you have to go to, a, uh, there's an accounting process that sets you up that way so that you're, uh, set up properly, like, uh, like for tax wise and stuff like that. But it was like constant learning, man. I'm telling you, it was, um, it kept me up at nights because you're you're just always thinking, right? You know, I created the logo, and then I had, you know, like who are my suppliers? Where am I going to find my suppliers? Where am I getting this from and that from? Oh, because you have to source everything. Yeah, you got to source everything and bring it in, and and you know when you're small and for starting you don't really have high volume so you're paying maximum premium prices on everything right and that could be the difference of a few thousand dollars a run easily so by volume you could by volume. You, you could save a thousand dollars if you order right more. but if you buy too much and your stuff is in storage you're paying for storage right so like yeah like <laughs> this is battle going back and forth and back and forth and then having the appropriate vehicle to carry it in because you needed uh you needed a reefer van right um it's like a like a freezer like a Oh, it like has a cooling system. Yeah, it has yeah. to be a refrigerated vehicle, right? So the product, because it's frozen, stays frozen from point A to point B. I had to find one. So, yeah, there's just a lot of things that uh, kind of all went into the beginning of this thing. And it wasn't really that I intended to start a business, but I, I kind of set it in motion by trying a little bit. And then, like I said, it's... Uh, the universe tested my butt. <laughs> well, hey, you seem to be passing the test so far. Well, I, I hope so. <laughs> All right, Matt, should we call it?